0: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining with us for this week's podcast. As per usual, before we begin our time together, I want to take a moment and let you know a bit of what's coming up in our community. This weekend was Clyde's last with us as senior pastor, and so here in this episode, this is his final sermon for us, entitled Endings and Beginnings. And again, as we look ahead to summer... We want to invite our church family to consider a June gift over and above normal tithes and offerings to help keep ministry moving forward. Our focus this month is on two of our main funds, the general fund and our building fund. Our goal is to raise $375,000 and both of these funds are the financial lifeblood of our church and are two of the significant ways that we're able to live out the mission that God has called us to here in Calgary. The best way to know what's going on at Southview is by checking out our weekly viewpoint. And you can find a link to our viewpoint in the episode description of this podcast. Or you can go on Realm and join the group Southview Family Updates, and that will make sure you're always getting the weekly viewpoint in your inbox. If you're new with us here in this digital space, we would love to hear from you. And you can find an online connection card at the bottom of that viewpoint, along with a prayer request form so that we can support and join you in prayer. Additionally, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. But now today, no matter how you're joining with us, may each of our hearts be open and expectant, because God is here and Jesus invites us to bring all that we are and all that we're currently carrying to Him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let's seek the face of God together. To echo the words
1: of Mark Burnham, (laughs) hello friends. (laughs) I truly am so thankful uh, that you are here or joining in online on this weekend, which is a fairly significant weekend for us. And if this is your first weekend with us, we are so glad you're here. You must be wondering what in the world is going on. Well, at the conclusion of our worship gatherings this weekend, uh, the reins of pastoral leadership at Southview will transition from me to Pastor Sam Seifert, who I am so thankful will lead as our interim leader until our next senior pastor is in place. And we are blessed to have my brother Sam guiding this role, along with the support of our elders, pastors, staff, and you, our church family. So, I have been praying, Father, what in the world can I say to my beloved family of brothers and sisters in Christ today? Because I know, and I confess this, I do not have the words to communicate my heart and thankfulness to you and to Christ our King today. And this has all reminded me of many years ago when my mom and dad drove me to the college that I was going to attend for the next four years. And once we had taken everything up to my dorm room, it was time for my parents to leave. We went to the parking lot to say goodbye. And I, I don't remember their exact words, but I knew it was a significant moment. And I knew it was emotional for them. And I thought I understood what they were feeling. As I came to discover, I did not understand. Because many years later, when it came time for Jillian and me to do the same with our son Taylor as we dropped him off at university out in BC, and then with our daughter Alexandra as we sent her off to study in Europe, it was a profoundly different experience. I mean, it was rightly sending them off to what God had next for them. And really, it was what we were supposed to do as parents, after we'd loved, parented, discipled, and equipped them for their own endeavors in life. And I vividly recall those moments of departure, as we prepared to leave Taylor at his new campus, and then as we sent Allie through the security gates at the airport, because I felt that... Almost frantic parental impulse to pack in as many final words of guidance and encouragement to them as possible in those moments. Do you remember what we said about this? Do not forget about that. Well, no one absolutely, <laughs> this is good. This is a next step in their independence. This is what we equip them for. And so eventually, saying to each of them, because there were not words sufficient, God is with you. We are covering you in prayer. You got this. But I can say that right along with those words was a voice calling out in the back of Jillian and my mind that was shouting, What are you doing? This is so wrong. It's not time yet. Stay with us. And I can say that I feel again some of those very feelings today with you. And I can also say that far more profoundly, the Apostle Paul felt and expressed something like that with far more sensitivity to the Holy Spirit when he penned what scholars believe was likely one of his final letters, if not his very final letter to a church community. His letter to the Colossian church. Now, Paul wrote later letters to individuals, to Philemon, Titus, and Timothy, but one of his final letters to a church was Colossians. So I want to draw from a few themes of that departure letter today that really guide and prompt me in, in four closing words, four encouragements uh, to you, my church family, even though I, I feel like leaving you a list of 50 words. I feel like jamming in as much as I can. Do you remember this? Do not forget that. Because I share these with a father's heart for you. So four words, and a first emphasis of Paul in this letter, and so the first word is simply family. What do you mean by family? Well, I'm prompted by what Paul writes in his opening chapter. If you can turn to the book of Colossians with me in your Bibles, and this is what we read in Colossians 1. And as you hear it, remember, this is a word of God. And Paul writes in verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. You know, we know that in most of Paul's epistles, he expresses thanksgiving, not just broadly to the whole church, like he does here, but also specifically to individuals who partnered with him in ministry. He names them. So in this letter, if you flip to the end, in chapter 4, verse 10, he names Aristarchus, my fellow prisoners, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, and Jesus, who is called Justice, and and Epaphras, and Luke, the beloved physician, and Nympha, and the church in her house, and Archippus. On he goes... Now, this is one of those passages that we tend to kind of just read through and move on from quickly, don't we? But this passage, it's unusual. Why? Because when you compare this with the great spiritual writings of other faiths, like the Bhagavad Gita or the Upanishads, the Quran or the Book of Mormon or others, you notice that naming names not just listing ancestry, but like Paul does here, is very unusual. You hardly ever see this. It is one of the uncommon characteristics of the Bible in its very personal, relational, familial tone, which again is uncommon. And one of the things it tells us is that, friends, this fake faith we walk in of following Jesus It is not merely a private, inward, individualized faith, which really is the direction of most spiritualities of our day. But not with Jesus. This is a communal faith. It is to be lived, not in individualistic, inward isolation, but in relational community, as a spiritual family, as challenging as we all know that can be. So, as an expression of that reality, Paul lists many in the Colossian church family. Because, for one, you can't fully understand Paul's ministry without understanding the people and communities that supported, encouraged, and enabled his ministry. So, Paul, therefore, here, names names. So, I want to do the same. Because over these 25 years, I have been supported and able to minister by so, so many in this family. I truly wish I could name every individual. But it includes the men of my support group who have lifted me, challenged me, prayed for me in life and ministry. Thank you, brothers. It includes Shane, my prayer pillar. It includes the blessing of four ministry assistants who've served me just so faithfully, Kathy Howgrid. The day I walked in the door, and then Marian Duick, and then Barb Harvey, who's now in the presence of God. And then for the past 14 years, Mary Ellerby, who has served us all and continues to serve us all graciously. Thank you, my sisters. And I've also had the great privilege of serving with the wisdom, support, and prayers of the men and women who have served as elders. They have been a gift in my life. And, and with those elders, I've served with board chairmen who have walked as friends, as counselors, as sounding boards, as guides for me, including Mark Burnham, Dave Hendricks, Chris Elmquist, Rich Peters, Lee Thiessen, Mark DeMille, and Roy. Roy Harvey, our current chairman. Friends, we have been blessed. I have been blessed by them. And you cannot understand my ministry apart from them. Paul had his names, and I've been blessed with these, and so, so many others. Like my brothers and sisters who've served on our staff over the years and have been far more than just coworkers, but have truly been friends, like Linda and Julia, Michelle and, and Bev and Jenny, and, and many more, and, and then including my dear fellow pastors like Brett and Sam and Fernando. And Justine and Spencer, Devin and Craig, and then also Sean and going back to Rob and Robin and Stan, James, Kelly, Michelle, Jane, Peter, Barb. I wish I could express every name. And, And then I think of every weekend. As we gather like this, I think of our welcome teams, of our ushers, of our tech teams, with Hannah leading us all so well. And then with all of our ministry teams to adults, youth, and children, and then our worship teams, like even this evening. And and truly, I want to name you all, uh, but I can't. But I look back there, and I see Doug and Faye. And I see Nicole, and that reminds me, Andrew is helping out technologically in the back here. And then I think back to Brandon and Stephen and Bill and so many more all of whom have partnered in ministry and served so faithfully. You can't understand my ministry without those who have helped enable, support, and encourage it. For I, as Paul did, I thank God for you and I pray for you. I wish I could name each one of you. And including my family, who molded me deeply as I served. My sister Keller and brother-in-law Mike are are here in Calgary, who formed and mentored me in life and ministry profoundly. And then my McLaren family, who love and walk in life with me and all of my oddness. And, And above all, I name my wonderful children, Taylor and Natasha, and Alexandra and Samuel, and my amazing wife, Jillian, who all are incredible gifts from God. And I cannot believe they are all here. (laughs) And you truly cannot understand my ministry without Jillian. I mean, you might know, she didn't sign up to be a pastor's wife. And when we met and started dating, I was heading to law school. Oops. (laughs) But she has been an incredible partner, an encourager, consoler, inspirer, soulmate, advisor in my ministry and all of life. Thank you, darling. To all of you, my my family, my friends, my fellow servants of Christ, I echo Paul as he expressed in Colossians chapter one. I always thank God for the father, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ when I pray for you. That's the longest word. But then a second theme of Paul's. And so my second word is word. Word. Can word be one of the words? It it can today because it's prompted by what Paul writes in chapter 3 of Colossians. Listen to what he says here in Colossians 3.16. Let the word, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. By the word of Christ there, Paul is not referring to the word or message that Christ shared, but to the word about Christ, to this good news, this gospel which is declared in this living and active word to us. So my family, let this word dwell in you richly. I know you've heard that from me before. I I realize that. But let me just give you a brief fatherly encouragement, if I may. Take time to feed on this word daily in whatever pattern works best for you. Now, we know there are many wonderful books and resources about this word that are great for our feeding, but be sure that you read this word directly, not just books about this word. So a second word simply is word, meaning the word of God. Okay, then a third word, and really Paul's central theme in this, in every letter, it is this. It is the living word. It is Jesus, who is the word made flesh. Some of you might know that over the past 25 years, most times when someone would ask me what I was preaching on for the coming weekend, my answer would perhaps annoyingly be Jesus. (laughs) Because regardless of what the text or topic of a sermon was, it eventually would lead us rightly to Jesus. And that's what Paul essentially is saying here in Colossians 3, verse 1, when he says, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, on him, not on the things that are on earth. And, and by that, Paul doesn't mean just kind of be so heavenly-minded that you're of no earthly good. No, but rather, he is saying, let your life on earth be formed and guided by the realities of what and who is above. You know, Pastor Eugene Peterson, who is a mentor for me from afar in pastoral ministry, he echoed Paul when he exhorted that the senior pastor's primary role above every other responsibility is to stand amid this beleaguered beautiful word and point their people to God. To point above, to point to Jesus. Because all of this, including all of life, is about him. So the pastor is to keep their people attentive to God, attentive to Christ. And and that's why Eugene expressed, and I exhort you to remember, that the truth about the church is that we can have the most beautiful building, the biggest budget, and a preacher with a string of degrees after his name, and we can be so warm and friendly that we melt the snow right off the church roof. But if the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified, the message that God loves us, forgives us, and offers us new life, if that isn't preached and heard and lived... Everything else counts for nothing. And that's why Paul would write so clearly in First Corinthians 1, we preach Christ crucified. Amen. And, and really, that's why at the top of every sermon I have written, I have John 15 5 and that prayerful declaration Jesus, apart from you I can do nothing. Because it's true. So we lift the highest praise to our Lord and Savior and King, Jesus Christ. Because only because of him have any of us been able to do anything of worth and kingdom value. This is all about Jesus. So beloved, keep attentive to him. Keep your mind on things above. Keep asking those two key key questions we ask a lot around here. Keep asking, what is God saying to me? And then, what am I going to do about it? And I want to assure you that Jillian and I are doing the very same thing. Because although I'm retiring from pastoral leadership at Southview, I am not retiring, nor do any of us ever retire from serving Christ. So Jillian and I, too, we are asking and praying, what is God saying to us? We are open, Father. Father. So family, word, Jesus. And finally, a fourth word I leave with you because of Jesus is hope. And it's prompted by what Paul writes at the end of this letter in the fourth chapter. In verse 2, he says this. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. At the heart of this, Paul says, be watchful. And I'm sure you're wondering, but watchful in the original Greek is the Greek word Gregor Eo. Can you say it with me whether you want to or not? <laughs> Gregor Eo. And it's A vivid term because it carries the image of awakening and being vigilant. That's a picture. And friends, I can say that as we are awake, watchful, attentive to what God is doing, we can see and testify that he is opening to us a door at Southview for the word. You know, in the writings of the prophet Isaiah, God expressed this hope through Isaiah. Isaiah. When he said in Isaiah forty three nineteen, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Okay, now God was speaking here to the people of Israel in what felt like a desert time for them to lead them, to encourage them, to exhort them in his gracious plans and hopes that are part of the God of creation who is one who has plans that are beyond our imagining. And, and I can say that although this word in Isaiah was written to the people of Israel, it truly is also word of what God is up to right here. Are we being watchful of what God is doing? Are we holding on to hope? Because our God still says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? And he is doing a new thing. Beloved, I can say God is up to something. God is doing something new among us. And we recognize it. We talk about it just about every week in our pastoral staff meetings. As for example, we celebrate the gift of growing diversity that God is expressing among us, which we have prayed would be a reality. And which gives us just a small foretaste of what the life to come will look like when all nations, all peoples, all ethnicities join together to worship and serve Christ our King. That's something we should note. That's something we should be watchful of. And we also celebrate the stories of what God is doing among us in your lives. And since COVID, God has drawing so many to us who are new to this life with Jesus. And we have heard these kind of seemingly serendipitous stories from so many of you who are just driving by here or maybe new to the area or maybe invited here by a friend. And you've come and you've found a home. And you're being drawn to this Jesus. How thankful we are you're here. And, and to hear how God is changing lives by his grace even as we had 68 baptisms here on Pentecost weekend, which is the most we have ever had on a weekend. And to like Judith, who's a senior like me, who is at our 9 o'clock Pentecost worship gathering, she then headed for home, but God stirred her heart along the way, and she responded to God's prompting by turning her car around, coming back and being baptized in faith at the 11 o'clock worship gathering. That's unusual. That's unusual. It is natural in times of transition, like we are moving into, to ask or wonder, okay, so what's coming next? And that rightly should prompt us all to pray steadfastly, like Paul encourages. But beloved, also remember, the plans and providence of God are just so far beyond what we could ask or imagine, in human wisdom or power alone. I know this. We don't like the unknown. We don't like uncertainty. We don't like waiting. Somebody's got to say amen. <laughs> because that is us. And, and really, that's partly why Sam is going to kick off a new teaching series next weekend that we've called While We Wait. And the subtitle of it is, When God Does His Best Work in Us. Because that's when he typically does. But understand, God is up to things that we can't even begin to grasp or yet see. Because, friends, that's also what our God does. I was reading recently about World War II when the nation of Ethiopia was invaded. And all Christian missionaries were forced to leave the country. In one district, there was a church of about 70 people. 70 Christ followers. That was it. And the departing missionaries who had been pastoring that church understandably thought, we just hope they can survive. So there was a lot of praying, a lot of hand-wringing in the uncertainty. But a number of years later, when the missionaries were finally allowed to return, they found in that same district 60,000 followers of Jesus who were all organized into fully indigenous churches. And the missionaries were shocked. But we thought it depended on us. How dare they? You know, how does that happen? We often forget, we need to remember that our king, Jesus, promised in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. And I will build it in such a way that the gates of hell won't even be able to stand against it. So friends, walk in hope. Because Jesus is doing a new thing among us. So, four words as my voice cracks, and as I conclude, and as we move forward family, word, Jesus, and hope. And, my friends, I do not have the words sufficient but I remind you in love, I exhort you in our Savior, Jesus Christ. God is with you. Our prayers are covering you. So through his power, remember, you got this. You do. So to that end and with that hope, we now come to the pinnacle of this gathering, to this table. Because in this meal, friends, we come in faith in Christ. And as we come to this table, one of the things we do guided by scripture as we come is we remember. But not alone. Because added to remembering, do not forget this, we come to receive from him. Amen? Because he is at work and followers of Jesus have declared, I'm going to get this out. For 2,000 years, Christ is present, he is working in this meal. So we come to our Father, we break this bread and ask, Father, this bread in this cup, would you cause it to be spiritual food for us? Feed us with it, we pray, for we seek Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. So I invite you to take the cup you received when he came in, just pull back that very top later with the bread, rather just let's take out the bread and just hold it for a moment. And we come, we gather, we have hope because the body of Christ broken for you, received from him. And then with the cup, we come seeking his life and let this drink remind you his life by his spirit flows through you even as you drink this. He is with you. We have hope because the blood of Christ was poured out for you, Receive from him. Will you pray with me? And Father, please fill our hearts, fill our minds, fill our vision with you. For we pray this in the wondrous name of your Son, Jesus. And again, all God's people say, Amen. Let's sing in praise to him.
2: Earlier in our service, and we continue to thank God for Clyde and through the video and Jane We've attempted to use words to thank them, and clearly there's no gift that we can express or give to Clyde and Jillian to express our gratitude. However, for those of you who are wondering, we have, as a church family, uh, provided them with a a, a financial gift as well as a, a small, symbolic gift to help them remember their time with us. And Clyde, once again, under your leadership, under your uh, pastoring, shepherding, under your teaching, our lives have been transformed. And we thank you. We're desperately going to miss you. And... (laughs) While we grieve your departure, we are trusting God for our future. But more specifically, right now, we want you to know that along with you, we're trusting God for your future, yours and Jillian's. And to that end, we as a church family would like to pray for you. And uh, would would ask, as you're comfortable to do so, right where you're seated, is to raise out your your hand or hands uh, as though each one of us are laying our hands on Pastor Clyde and wanting to bless him. Let's pray together. Our Father, we do thank you for Pastor Clyde, our brother in Christ our shepherd, our leader, and our teacher. We thank you for bringing him to us and using him to lead us to you. We specifically pray now for Clyde and Jillian as they enter into this season of liminality to discern next steps in their service to you. And as they fellowship with you, both as individuals and as a couple, and together with their family and friends, fill them with your presence. Review yourself and your love to them in new and special ways. Help them to respond by growing more deeply in love with you and each other. Provide them with insight and understanding and discernment to clearly see how you're moving and leading. God, give them an attitude of gratitude and an openness to the things that you will lay on their hearts and minds. In this season of transition, fill them with resurrection power and joy and hope. Refresh and rejuvenate them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And at the right time, God, give them courage and wisdom to move forward in all that you have planned for them. And so now, Father, we as your beloved children are asking that you will bless and keep Clyde and Jillian. Shine your face on them and be gracious to them. Turn your face toward them and give them peace. Mm-hmm. Yes. And all God's people said,
1: amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Thank you, my church family. and. If I can remind you again, our gathering isn't over. Uh, we are a family, and this is time we get to hang out together. I've heard word there's cake out there uh, to celebrate something with uh, in this, and hope you can hang around in it. And then additionally, though, uh, I want to say a word of benediction, a blessing upon you, because we believe words of blessing have power in Jesus' name, amen? And then after that, we're... Going to attempt to sing the doxology together. All right? So, will you stand with me? And I want to bless you with that familiar prayer blessing that Paul used in his Ephesian letter, because truly it so perfectly expresses my prayer for you. So, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that you might have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge and by it be filled with all the measure of the fullness of God. So now to him who is able to do immeasurably more beyond all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Southview and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's walk in that hope and let's eat cake. But before we do, will you sing with me? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Let's head out as a family together.